The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 34. Janet West Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we got to do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. Pete, say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous, but this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It's never in a going home. It's a big getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Berizzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in the Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Lisa Jones. Hey, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hi, Victor. Hi, Jack. All right. Today on Secrets of Stargate, we're going to be discussing the 14th episode of Season 2, Touchstone. Do you want to give us a quick rundown of this episode, Victor? Uh, Sure. So in this episode, SG-1 visits Krippendorf's tribe on the planet Madrona to study their weather control device, the uh, eponymous Touchstone, only to learn that it has been stolen by humans from Earth. Without the Touchstone, the Madronans will succumb to climate change, though not as quickly as I initially would have thought, just given how utterly pathetic and horrible they are. SG-1 <laughs> learns that a rogue team of NID agents have been using the second Stargate, which was recovered from the Antarctic. And if you want more on that, see our Secrets of Stargate episode 18, Solid Dudes. To plunder technological treasures from alien planets. That's what the NID agents are doing with the second Stargate. So SG-1 visits Area 51 and runs into a frenemy of Jack's, and everyone discovers that the second Stargate has been replaced with a plastic replica, which looks just like the real thing for some reason. George calls in a few markers and the team is able to locate the real second Stargate. But the NID team gets away, at least for another season or so, but not before leaving behind the weather control device, which SG-1 is able to return to Madrona. The second Stargate is safely tucked away again, and we find ourselves at the end of this episode, one week closer to two all-time favorite classic episodes in a row. And uh, so tune in next week and the week after that for our take on those two good episodes. (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh what were your thoughts on this episode father see i, I like this one i mean it's it's a little bit goofy because of course you you got um you got the you know the, the fake stargate that just happens to look exactly like the prop of the real stargate gee i, I wonder how how yeah. that happens <laughs> um but but then you got mayborn of course mayborn brings his own uh interesting twists into the whole deal especially when you know he's in there going um this wasn't supposed to happen this way what happened where'd the stargate go <laughs> yeah but then he still tries to do oh I, i've got top men you know you, you can hear him top men are studying it mm-hmm. <laughs> what about you lisa uh i like this one it's it's a little bit different you know you don't just he starts with go off world meet the aliens yada yada and then it turns into a little cat and mouse politics thing, which is kind of fun. And it follows back up with what happened to that second gate. And then from there, it opens it up even wider, as we find out in upcoming seasons with the whole NID. What does it mean to have two working gates on Earth? Because, you know, it isn't going to stay closed forever. So eh, I mean, it's, it's not like way up there, but it was yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty decent episode. Yeah. What about you, Victor? 
yeah, I like aspects of this, but it's completely forgettable. I think, I mean, it does, you know, you, you get the image of the NID agents escaping into the Stargate and you're like, Ooh, who are those guys? But then, like I said, you really have to wait a season for any follow-up on that, but it's a really good Mayborn episode. Um, he has a couple really good reactions in this, which, which we'll probably talk about. Um, one being the one father Corey mentioned where, you know, I'm still not sure if he was really like surprised that the gate was missing. It sure looked like it, but you know, um, you could take it either way, but it was, it was a solid Mayborn episode. So I like it for that, but not for much else. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I like that they, the focus of the action on the episode doesn't have anything to do with the aliens off world. That's almost more just like a MacGuffin. They have to find the thing and the real, the real like threat in the episode is the NID and the inner machinations of the U S government, which is, gives it kind of like a X files, like thriller kind of vibe, which is fun. And I like that they're bringing in that angle. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't like yeah. the Madronans. The Madronans are awful. I have to just come right out and not. They're, they're, they're pretty, they're, they're pretty stereotypical. You got the blind leader with his, daughter who it's the people from earth they're here uncle or whatever he was yeah no they're very uh very cookie cutter yeah uh, and it doesn't help that he looks exactly like richard dreyfus in the movie krippendorf's tribe which came out the same year and if you've never heard of that movie there's a very good reason but in it richard dreyfus plays an anthropologist who has to basically He's been tasked to find this pygmy tribe and he can't find them. So he dresses his family up as this lost tribe and films his family, you know, his very white family doing things and, and submits that as. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of what like I thought watching. Correct movie. Yeah. No. And it's it's kind of like watching, you know, these these people uh, very uniformly you know pale people dressed up in tribal clothes was a little much i think for me but they remind very, me a lot of the movie krippendorf's tribe hmm. <laughs> they're very uh they're very 90s uh swimsuit fashion too oh yeah <laughs> yeah it was kind of i don't know if it was supposed to be an homage to like those 1950s movies where they go to like the you know the the lost civilization in the center of the earth or something and it's you know being the 1950s in hollywood everybody looks you know from central casting and but are wearing you know tribal clothes and so i don't know if that if that was intentional then i guess that's kind of cool but otherwise they're they're horrible i, I get the feeling that the the whole madronan plot line was just the here's where the object that we're trying to find came yeah. from and we put it back. And that was literally it. I mean, yeah. there was no real, they've got like this perfect world literally where they can have the weather exactly perfect as they want it always. And so let's just, you know, start off the story with them and the story with them and move on. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed, though, that, you know, they're, they're racing against the clock to find this this MacGuffin, as you mentioned, and there is no talk of evacuating the Madronans to another planet. And I'm guessing they like not even Tupelo from the people of the light or whatever would take them. You know, he's no. always had his, his hands out to anybody <laughs> who'll come in. But I don't think I think he's like, oh, the Madronans knew. Like, no, they're, they're, yeah, okay. I just went in. Oh, did she look familiar, though? Because it was bothering me the whole episode rewatching it. 
She did, yeah. She is the hybrid from Battlestar Galactica. You know, the one that was submerged on the water. That, oh, really? Like, you know, ra- randomly. Yeah, that controls the ship. Yeah. Controls the ship. Yeah. Oh, and the character's name is Lamour. Yeah, oh. so there you go. And that has to be an intentional, like, either, like, Dorothy Lamour or just, like, you know, a, a very 1950s, <laughs> like, yeah. Or it could be, like, the Lemurians, like the Lost Continent people or whatever. Ah, okay. Yeah, know. so, okay. I like it a little bit better now that I know that was intentionally so Tiffany Knight <laughs> cheesy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, I want to know what is so wrong with this planet that taking away their weather control device for a few hours causes everything to just fall apart. Like, I feel like it would be better just to move them to a new planet. Well, they, they, they did say that it was a terraformed planet by some race. Yeah. Um, I don't know do we, if they ever even mention what race it was, does it? I don't think they ever figure that out. But um, it was probably, a terraformed planet. Yeah, probably a race that just wanted them off their planet. You know? Yeah. Just like, like, yeah. like, here, have this ice planet, so, and we'll give you a so, nice so I'm, little I'm, statue. I'm sure it'd be something like a Mars, you know, something along that 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 level. Where uh, it wouldn't take much to terraform if you had the technology, but at the same time, you know, if if you didn't have that technology to sustain it, then yeah, it would go into yeah snowstorm. All it takes is like a executive desk toy is what that thing looks like. Yeah. <laughs> it did look kind of like Homer's astrolabe or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the internet seems to think it was the furlings. What terraform? Oh, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, <laughs> why was there an educated guess or was it like everybody just wants to meet the furlings? Let's just talk about the furlings. Yeah. I'm sorry. The F word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just the fill in. Yeah. Yeah. Like much <laughs> like this episode. What's well, a filler episode? <laughs> yeah. Um, I do like that. Uh, that map painting we get of the Stargate, like after they fix everything on the planet, you get like that wide angle shot of a very obvious map painting with the Stargate. I thought that was a, it was a cool look. It was very, uh, Oh, it yeah. reminded me of the game mist. Mm-hmm. It's got yeah. that vibe from that planet or the, the star Trek planet angel one, that map painting to get, that gets recycled for like, I think it's been eight different planets now. Oh yeah. If you just, if you just like look it up on like one of the like memory alpha or something, angel one, I think it's called. And it's, it's a map painting that's been used like in just about every star Trek series. Nice. They need to throw that in discovery just as a, there's an homage. <laughs> um, but yeah, I like uh, I like Teal'c's interactions with Mayborn in this. Like, yeah, those are culture. Good. I would be, I would be able to dismember you. <laughs> yeah, that was good. And Mayborn's it, reaction too—he's like, "That's well, that's interesting." <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> well, I love it too. Then you know, so Teal'c walks past him and turns around and comes stands right behind him. Right. And so Mayborn turns around. And all he's got is a wall of Teal'c. Yeah, of course, Tilk is, you know, he's still looking very stern. As soon as Mayborn goes around him and walks away, he just smirks. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like, I like how Tilk is coming out of his shell. Yep. Yeah. Really meshing with the group. Um, but yeah, and we get a. Did anyone else feel like everyone was just moving kind of like just slow in this episode? Like, I just got this. Mm-hmm. I feel like all the shots and like. Even when the action scenes, I feel like everyone was kind of moseying along and no one was really like, like hurrying yeah. up. Like the whole episode just felt kind of like, all right. Like they stretched it out to fill the 40 minutes. Yeah, you mean? literally. Yeah. Well, they said was, they had 48 hours, right? Until the planet would be yeah. irreparably harmed. But yet there right. was no, 
well, let's go. Let's do it. It was just mm-hmm. like, yada, yada. Well, let me go see my friend. And then let's go get to this place to get on the plane to do this. I don't yeah, know. we got to yeah, fly there. down to fly to Arizona yeah. and then go to go back up to Utah and back up to Colorado. Then General Hammond has to presumably fly to Washington, D.C. or his friend has to fly from wherever his yeah. friend is in Washington, yeah. D.C. to General Hammond. And it's just like, yeah, ticking clock here. But and at one point, I mean, I had, I had to rewatch this this thing in, when they're in the, um, you know, the control room and, you know, Jack walks up and I'm like, is that like Dan Shea, his body double just like in there because even Richard Dean Anderson like bugged out of this and, <laughs> and then they cut to a different angle. And I, I'm wondering, I'm st- I still don't know like if that was, if they just like substituted him in, because as you mentioned, I think his daughter was born or something and he was taking some time off, but maybe it was him, but it is just kind of one of those, one of those episodes, but seeing in the second gate again is cool. Oh, we had yeah, another like Stargate that. baby born during this episode. Uh, Michael Shanks and his girlfriend who plays Share, they she had oh, a baby while this episode was filming nice yep i guess everyone was probably just distracted while they were filming it they just yeah. wanted to knock it out yeah yeah i also thought it was odd that when they arrive at area 51 we get like this three minute long scene where they're outside talking to the guards but i think they forgot to turn on like the the lights because it's yeah. just like everyone is completely like in shadow and it's not I'm like backlit well, dramatically yeah. it's just like bad looking well you know what's worse about it they're standing outside in the shadow and what do you see in the background trees yep what don't exist at area 51 in nevada trees oh trees yeah (laughs) aliens too but trees maybe the trees trees. are the aliens (laughs) they're ants (laughs) but yeah no i didn't even catch that but yeah i mean that just the way that they're all and like is this supposed to signify it's cloak or cloak and dagger but yeah it's just like they just didn't turn on the lights or if they'd moved like you know 10 feet over they would you know be in the daylight and maybe, that would have worked maybe out, it was but. an artistic choice right sure Man. <laughs> that person who did it was definitely not an artist then <laughs> yeah and my note on yeah i noted that and then i know that area 51 is simultaneously both cool and disappointing because it looks like, you know, they're filming like in an office building or a high school, but there's some cool things like that. You see the, the death glider in the laboratory and stuff. And, but the rest of area 51 just looks like a high school chemistry, like yeah. classroom or something. I guess I was just hoping for like the area 51 from independence day, but I guess Roland Emmerich could not afford to loan that set up um, off to them. <laughs> or it was probably mad that, you know, they're, successful with it and he wasn't so yeah. <laughs> forget yeah. you <laughs> although we, we do see a much cooler area 51 and i think it's like an alternate timeline in stargate atlantis we see where rodney has his lab at area 51 and it's the size of like the grand cavern inside this building where he's doing like huge quantum experiments and stuff and so that that's very cool but this this area this area 51 is probably much closer to the actual area 51 and how kind of just dull it looked yeah, I, I can't. I've never been there, so I can't talk about it. But I have a feeling it's a typical Air Force base, probably, which is pretty boring with aliens. <laughs> with aliens, <laughs> no, absolutely no aliens. I mean, there absolutely no aliens there. The aliens got cancer from all the uh, the lead paint and everything that was used to build those old government buildings. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do love the the, re, the action. Those I can guarantee you, there are no aliens in Area Fifty One as Teal standing there. Yeah. Until now. <laughs> yeah. Present company excluded. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I read, now that you just mentioned that, that just sparked something. I think I read that 
they had to put that line in because um, the Air Force made them. It was like one mm. of their like conditions of, you know, getting the Air Force support is that they said, OK, if you're going to go to Area 51, you have to like specify that there are no aliens there. And so the writers put that line in and then put in present company accepted as kind of like a little nod to, uh, you know, the fact that they had to put that line in. Nice. Oh. It's odd that they would uh, stipulate something like that. Yeah, because, I, I, because of course it's that's that's a condition with the aliens. They can't you can't say that the aliens actually exist. Otherwise, yeah, oh wait, did I say that? No, no, yeah. there's no, no, there's no aliens in the area. No. Yeah, we don't we don't want them to be overrun by Naruto runners or whatever. The, <laughs> <laughs> whatever that was going to be. Oh man, the, the oh, storm area fifty one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Good pre-COVID times. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago. It really does. It does. I like uh so one of the stipulations that they get from General Hammond when they end up going to where the actual Stargate is is that they cannot shoot anybody. And so they they follow that except uh Jack somehow is the greatest shot ever with a machine gun where he can fire a gun right at someone and hit all around them but not hit them. Like Alec Or just that. or just wound them like yeah. right in the arm or something. Yeah. What uh, if like I just that. zap them? Yeah. You know, and that, that was the question I had. Why didn't they take Zat guns and Tilk had one? Yeah. Yeah. He never yeah, fired he's, it. He's, yeah. He's, he's holding it and he's like, well, I'm going to see where Jack's going with this. And they're like firing <laughs> off like dozens of rounds. But then the guys wouldn't have gotten away and we wouldn't have other episodes. Right. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. And of course, you know, Daniel gets to the gets to the DHD just as the lights turn off. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't happen yeah. to see it. It's just yeah, like, it of like, course. Now, if it's lit up, but you can't tell what order they were pushed in, right? Correct. Do you yeah. Like call history? <laughs> that, well, they do in Atlantis. Rodney can figure out kind of when it's can, when he needs to, like the last 10 addresses dialed by a gate by looking at the crystals, but they just haven't figured that out yet. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So how many permutations would that be if you had that? Uh, six. Yeah. A bunch. Thir- a bunch. Yeah. 39 times 38, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> I always like uh, seeing the uh, the Stargate when it's engaged, but it's a horizontal rather than stood up. Yep. It's yeah. always fun to see. So when you jump through it and it's like that and you come out through a gate that's standing up, is it kind of like in Monsters, Inc. when they go through the door and it's down oh, yeah. and then they get in the house and then they just yeah. like slam They'll on the They'll come out feet first. Yeah, they'll yep. come out feet first laying flat. Yep. Yep. Just land on the ground. <laughs> but I suppose if you're trying to get away from the good guys shooting at you, you don't care what way you come out of the gate, just so you come out of, out of the gate alive. <laughs> and nothing will ever be as bad as uh, seeing that sludge come out of the gate in the prisoners episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, I like, uh, I always like seeing Mayborn. He's a lot of fun. And uh, I like how General Hammond had a, uh, had more to do. Yeah, mm. had a super secret friend. Yeah, number yeah, of them apparently. Cool. Yeah, that, that's one character that it's too bad they didn't find another way to use him somehow as kind yeah. of the, the X Files type character. Mm-hmm. This the smoking man from X Files. Yeah, they bring Major Reynolds back. I mean, both he and Whitlow were on uh, uh, Smallville. Uh, you know, it's mm. a lot of overlap with Stargate there, and um. Also, the actor plays Whitlaw was also on uh, Mantis, that Sam Raimi show about the paraplegic superhero. Hmm. 
Hmm, he builds an exosuit to fight crime. Nice. Did anyone Speak. else find Reynolds just, I don't know the word, nah. smarmy, like, I don't know, snake oil salesman kind? Right, he just irked me. Yeah, I think we're yeah. not supposed to be sure of his loyalties at this point. But he's, but he's really happy about everything SG-1 yeah. has brought them. He was so yeah. yeah. And so willing to just talk about everything out in the open. Yeah, he seemed, uh, seems like he's got something else going on and he's just trying to win them over. Mm-hmm. But who knows? <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, I do want to see. I would like to know how much Mayborn was in on everything that was going on because because of him feigning that he did not know that it was the fake gate. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was I liked how they mentioned specifically that it's plastic. That was good. And he did a really yeah. good job faking. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. so shocked. Oh, my gosh, my job is on the line. And then. How do you know? I, you know, and that's <laughs> and that that's what I. I wonder how much of that was fake and how much of that was like, wait a second, this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah. Cause they don't really, they don't really answer any of that. They leave it all hanging, which I assume will pick up later on when they continue this plot. But I do feel like this is one of those kind of stories that would have benefited from being sprinkled like throughout several episodes as like a B plot rather than condensing it all into one episode with like an, they kind of tie it up neatly at the end where, you get all these, it's kind of like how in Star Trek, someone will commit like just like blatant, like blatantly uh, disregard any orders. But at the end, they kind of have to tie everything up. So it all gets resolved. Whereas I feel like mm-hmm. this is that kind of thing where there would be re- repercussions for the SG one team for basically going against their own government like that. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the problem with when this was written is those kind of thoughts weren't really a part of serial TV or yeah. you know, weekly TV that that's, that's later that we start to see that. Although, yeah, I mean, it would have been kind of interesting if, if as a plot, you'd have SG-1 going to different planets. And, you know, we, we had a, something over here, and now it's gone. And we saw some people that look like you come and get it. Mm-hmm. But it's not a big deal. We weren't using it. But still, you know, something like that, you know, where it's just all just things were disappearing. And it was obvious that someone from Earth was the one were the ones taking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we, we get kind of that the next time we see, you know, the NID team. and. Some of them have to, you know, live with the consequences of the stuff they've taken or not live with the consequences of some of the stuff they've taken off the alien worlds and stuff. So, but yeah, if you want multi episode arcs involving the NID just running around a town for 42 minutes, like that's coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can do this. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's all in the uh, the execution, but it is nice to see kind of taking a break from the typical planet of the week kind of episode where the planet of the week here really doesn't matter at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shift so, yeah. So like we talked about, I can't remember what episode we talked about this way in the first season that the secondary bad guy, you, know, you have the gold, but then the secondary bad guy on Stargate tends to be an ID or a government mm-hmm. agency, yep. you know? Yep. And so that's, this is, this is kind of that start of that payoff that we're going to really start seeing them again. Nice. Yeah, I do. I do enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, did y'all have any other uh, thoughts on this episode? Well, you know, we were introduced to a very important technical term, doohickeys. <laughs> oh, yes. The doohickeys connect to the whatchamacallits <laughs> and the WYSIWYGs, you know, so very important technical details. Um, 
I, I got a kick where Sam's checking the logs of the, the, the dialer and, oh, the primary log has been deleted. Oh, Let's no. go to the secondary log. Well, they want to remember the third log, even though it says right on the screen, check third log. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, hello. <laughs> but it's super fast. I mean, none of it is off site. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Just, yeah. Or not even, not even off the main storage, right. like, you know, on a tape, you know, so I, I had to laugh about as a computer guy to laugh about that. Like if I had a third copy of the log, it would have been on a tape in a vault. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it would not have been, Oh, just hit yes to continue the search on the next, yeah, the next level. If it was that easy, <laughs> they would have deleted all three of them. Yeah. It's like yeah. you are deleting the primary log. Do you want to delete the secondary log? Yes. Do you want to delete the tertiary <laughs> log? Yes. Yes. The, ex- the actual log entries I thought looked kind of cool. The actual log screen itself was, yeah, it's mm-hmm. kind of neat looking, but yeah, yeah that was going to go. It's just I, I had to laugh about that, though. Uh, again, you know, having worked, you know, backups on computers and stuff, it's just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and then and then as they're at it, the NID uh, airport, which happens to be some like local airport, of course, in Vancouver area. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the stock footage of the, the uh, C5 totally not landing oh, yeah. anywhere near something that looks like Vancouver. <laughs> Where, yeah, where the runway presumably would have just like shredded or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Or just would have been too small, period. Yeah. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) I was going to see. What about you, Lisa? Uh, Two things. One, they did a good, I thought, good job of calling back to Solitudes, even Bane, which was just, what, a couple episodes ago. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a third episode they referenced. But it was nice to kind of see that continuity coming through and remembering what happened. And then second, we something that's coming up is the whole DHD attached to the Stargate. So in this episode, Carter jumps through a lot of hoops to try to match up the energy signatures and that they had to overpower the gate to bounce to the secondary gate. Overpower Mm -hmm. the wormhole, sorry, to bounce the secondary Mm -hmm. gate. But we learn later on that if a DHD is connected to a Stargate, it becomes the primary gate automatically. But in this episode, oh. that doesn't happen yet. So oh, sure. they had the DHD in the, was it a box van or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connected to the Stargate. But if that is always connected, then there's no way SU, or the Cheyenne Mountain was able to run their program. So, so that's just, which I mean, that you can see yeah. that in. They, they were just connect either. They just connected in, dialed, did the thing, got out, disconnected, you know? Yeah. And then they and didn't discuss pres- how they timed it so perfectly, which meant they have someone in the SGC who shouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Nice. What about you, Victor? Uh, not on this, but I wanted to mention that, uh, as I mentioned before, our son and I, uh, actually all, all three of our sons, have been helping me create a Stargate game for the original Game Boy um and as of now that game is up and playable uh for free um if you go to lambs l-a-m-s dot itch i-t-c-h dot i-o lambs dot itch dot i-o you can play that game it's a uh a whimsical fun stargate adventure based loosely on the first season of stargate and our podcast here so a uh, little new year's yeah including f name quest are you ever yes. get that done? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, there 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 are there are the F words in it, the furlings. Uh but otherwise the language is uh is is family appropriate. So <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Makes me want to get a original Game Boy and then get one of those 
like emulator adapter cards. Oh yeah. Try it out that way. The carts where you can load the images on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've yeah. got a, I've got a Game Boy Advance, one of the SP, one of the foldable ones that still plays the original cart. So I'm going to have to do that. Oh, nice. Yeah. Those are really good. Those in the, the Game Boy micros, advanced micros are, are yeah. I think the, the, like my favorite two pieces of Nintendo hardware of that generation mm-hmm. for sure. Nice. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I'll make sure to put a link in the show notes for that. Absolutely. Excellent. Cool. Um, Jill, Evan, yeah. Anything else? Oh, uh, I also forgot to mention, we must remain vigilant lest those who trespass before come back to violate the sanctity of the holy touchstone. (laughs) 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 Which is, I was not channeling Alex Jones there. Uh, That was actually a line from from this episode. Yeah. We must remain vigilant lest those who trespass before come back to violate the sanctity of the holy touchstone. (laughs) It's not like the way you said touchstone said touch tone. Oh no! <laughs> yep. Yeah. Touch tone. That would have that would have been a much better episode if it was just like this, like old uh, old oh, handset. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Ed K, Kathleen M, Andrew M, Alaska, Tom, and Pat F. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. Be sure to follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. To find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash stargate. You can email us at stargate at sqpn.com or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia or on Twitter at sqpn. You can also join the StarQuest fan club mailing list by texting StarQuest to 66866. Send StarQuest to 66866. And we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, A Matter of Time. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. Really looking forward to next week. Uh, And maybe somebody can tell me the punishment for losing a Stargate. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a good one. No. (laughs) And once again, I'm Jack Berezini. Thank you for listening to The Secret to Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Hi, everyone. This is Dom Bettinelli, CEO of StarQuest, with a special message as we approach the Christmas season. This past year, the StarQuest Network has continued to expand our mission of exploring the intersection of faith and pop culture through our many entertaining and informative programs. Now we need your generous financial support to reach new audiences with more of the life-changing and uplifting programming we've been creating for more than a decade. That's why it's very important that we hear from you this Advent and Christmas, the time when nonprofits receive most of their support for the year. If you are already a supporter of StarQuest, we thank you and ask you to prayerfully consider increasing your support at this time. If you're not yet a supporter, please become one now. Every gift counts. Could you give $15 or even just $10 per month? Whatever level of support you can offer, please show your support for SQPN this Christmas. And remember that your gifts may be tax deductible. Just go to sqpn.com slash give. That's sqpn.com slash give. May God bless you this Advent, and may you have a blessed Christmas season.